In some ways, I feel like reading through the book of Ruth uh, teaches us um, about God's providence in our lives. And I believe that this book is perfect in terms of reading it during this uh, season. The last two years, we've experienced some very difficult things, and now we're kind of emerging out of the fog into a new normalcy with hope for a better tomorrow. This morning, the storyteller of Ruth uh, starts out with... um, with what happened two years ago here in some ways, where he speaks about a famine that took place. And then people were forced to move out of their homes uh, and then experience uh, different things, difficult things. And then later the story changes where they're forced to leave their new reality and come back home. So in some ways, I feel like this book is very relevant to us uh, this morning. The book of Ruth uh, starts... um, is placed in our Christian, in the Protestant canon, uh, right after the book of Judges. Uh, And the opening line uh, in the story of the book of Ruth gives us a glimpse into the spiritual condition of the nation of Israel. This is what we read. In the days when judges ruled there, and that's it. That's it. That gives you a sense as to what is taking place in the nation of Israel. In the days when judges rule. That's it. I want you to hang on to that sentence. In the days when judges rule. Because there is a certain rhythm when you hear those words, right? When you hear those words, in the days when judges ruled, you're thinking about Something was happening during those days. So let me just give you a quick background as to how we end up uh, in the days of Judges. So people of Israel were in, were in slavery uh, in Egypt. God brings them out uh, of slavery, and he promises them to give a land flowing with milk and honey. And Joshua, who is the leader uh, of that day, he is able to kind of care for the people of Israel, and he establishes the entire nation The region of Bethlehem was given to the people of Judah, to the tribe of Judah, and life was good, and life was simple. And here were the rules. Here's how simple it was. Follow God, and God will bless you. When you don't follow God, God will not bless you, and an opposing nation will come over you, and calamity will strike. That's it. That was the rhythm that was there in the book of Judges. And we see this refrain show up over and over again. In Genesis, uh, Judges 17, 6, we read this. In those days, there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. This refrain tells us what is going to happen next. In the days of Judges, when Judges ruled. It means that people no longer followed the commands of God, and each one did whatever they pleased. That means the people in Bethlehem did whatever they wanted to do. They walked away from God, and they no longer lived a holy life. And as a result of that, they are experiencing a famine. During a period of moral and spiritual degradation, a man named, I'm going to call him Eli. You all can read it. It's like a really complicated name. So I'm going to call him Eli. Is that okay? Thank you. All right. I'm glad you gave me permission. All right. So (laughs) Eli is there, right? Eli is there and his wife, Naomi, and his two sons, M and C, right? 
They all are living in Bethlehem, and there's a famine, and Eli decides, you know what? These are not good times for us. We all need to go somewhere else. We can't live here anymore in Bethlehem because of the famine. We need to walk away from here. And uh, Eli is doing essentially what a lot of other people have done in the Old Testament. This is not something new that Eli is inventing. If you remember the story of Jacob, there was a famine where Jacob was living. So he takes his whole family to Egypt. And he lives there. And then if you remember the story of Abraham and Sarah, again, very similar circumstances. Like Abraham and Sarah are living, um, and then there's a famine in the land, and they go to Egypt. So Eli here is kind of following the footsteps of his forefathers and foremothers who have gone before him. But the storyteller um, mentions something interesting, if you will, that I would like us to kind of think about, and maybe you, this is something that you all can talk about uh, when you go out to lunch later today, is was Eli and his family the only ones who left Bethlehem? There's a huge famine, right? Were there other people with them? But, but we don't know that. We don't know that. Maybe Eli is the only one who left town. So, and if I was walking next to Eli and Naomi and his two kids, and, you know, they're all heading over, I would have asked and stopped and asked Eli this question. Why Moab? Eli, why are you going to Moab? Why don't you go a little bit north to a country named Assyria? You know, they're not experiencing famine at this time. Or why not travel south? You know, maybe you don't want to go north, go south to Egypt. Why Moab? Why Moab? And the reason I would ask this question is because of what's written in Deuteronomy 23. This is what we read. Um, this is God speaking. This is God giving a commandment to the people of Israel. This is God who's speaking. We read, No Ammonite or Moabite may enter the assembly of the Lord, even to the tenth generation. None of them may enter the assembly of the Lord forever. Because they did not meet you with bread and with water on the way when you came out of Egypt. And because they hired against you Balaam and the son of Bor to curse you. But the Lord your God would not listen to Balaam. Instead, the Lord turned the curse into a blessing for you because the Lord your God loved you. You shall not seek their peace or their prosperity all your days forever. I mean, the Israelites were coming out of Egypt, as I was saying, and Moab is right before they cross over Jordan. It's right there. And Moabites did not welcome them. They actually tried to curse the entire nation. And here God is telling them, you will not seek their peace or their prosperity. <clears throat> if you were reading this story, with some sound effects in the background, this is what, this is what would happen, right? The minute we as a as learned that Eli and his wife were going to Moab, we would hear the sound, dun, 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 right? Like something bad is about to happen, right? Like you're like, dun, dun, dun. And then it gets much worse, right? We just read that we are not supposed to pray, seek the prosperity or the peace of the Moabites. We're not supposed to wish anything good on them. And these two sons of Eli, 
they married two women from Moab. That is bad. Like, that is, like, really bad. And we're all sitting there thinking, what is going to happen next to this family? This family is not making the best choices. They're resettling as refugees in Moab, and now their kids are marrying women from Moab? In some ways, the reader is anticipating, right? They're anticipating something is going to happen. Something is going to happen. Remember earlier I said uh, that there was a simple metric as to good and bad that would happen in, during the time of Judges. You follow God's law, good things will happen. You don't follow God's law, bad things will happen. And that is essentially how the entire book of Judges can be read or interpreted. Uh, prosperity comes to those who follow God, and bad things happen when you walk away from God. On a side note, I just kind of want us to be conscious uh, about this theology that I'm just speaking of as it was back then. Uh, There's a side note, but we are thankful uh, this day uh, for the grace that we receive through Jesus Christ. The grace, the sacrament of baptism that was experienced today, where God's unconditional love is bestowed upon each one of us. God loves us no matter what. When we screw up, when our actions don't line up with what God is asking us to do, God still continues to show unconditional love. And John says, amen. You all can say amen too. All right. <clears throat> there you go. Yeah. All right. So going back to the story. So the first, um, the couple of verses, um, Something bad would happen to them is what we know. We, we kind of are sensing. We're waiting for what, what would those bad things would be. And the first bad thing that happens uh, to this family is Eli dies. Eli dies. And then his two children die as well. And during this time, the culture was such that when the dad died, the eldest son would care for the mother uh, in would provide security, would provide food for him, provide shelter for them. And then when the oldest son died, the next son would provide security and comfort. And so here, Naomi finds herself in a really dark place. Naomi's husband has died in Moab, and both her sons are dead as well. And Naomi has very little security living in a foreign country. Very, very little security. Her daughter-in-laws, however, they have a little bit more of a security. Verse 6, uh, this is what we read in verse 6. Then she rose with her daughters-in-law to return to the country, <clears throat> return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the fields of Moab that God had visited the people and given them food. See, Naomi right now is making the trek back to Bethlehem. She is heading back to Bethlehem, and verse 6 gives us a glimpse as to the activity of God in this book. See, God did not abandon the people of Bethlehem, but rather God visited them. And when God initiated this visit, with that visit came blessings upon the people. Surely things were better in Bethlehem because God was present among his people. Here's a question for us to consider. Um, 
I would like us to consider the application of the question I would like us to consider this morning is, are you like Naomi? Where things were not going well and you decided you were trying to escape from whatever the famine that you were facing. And you went to a different place and things seemed fine for a while. But then, as things, as time went on, things got much worse. Tragedy, grief, hopelessness are surrounding you right now. And friends, are you hearing God visited a place that you once called home? And is God prompting you to return to home? Is God prompting you to be in a place where you can experience God's presence, where you can see God's activity? I hope you're hearing this invitation to be home. And I hope you have the strength and the willingness to place where God is present. I hope you're willing to journey back to that place where God's presence in activity is seen. And friends, it's my prayer that you're willing to leave Moab and head back to the place where God is active, where God is present. Going back to verses 7 and 8, this is what we read. So she set out from that place where she was with her two daughter-in-laws, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughter-in-laws, Go return, each of you, to your mother's house. May the Lord deal with you kindly as you have dealt with me. See here, Naomi started walking towards Jerusalem, walking towards Judah. And as she was walking towards Judah, I think something might have happened where all of a sudden she changes her mind and she doesn't want her daughter-in-laws to come with her anymore. Did they have a close encounter with bandits along the road? That all of a sudden she says, she pauses and she says, you all shouldn't be coming with me. Did they or did Naomi remember some of the challenges of, uh, did Naomi remember the commandments that were written in Deuteronomy 23? Where we were not, the people of Israel were not supposed to be kind to people from Moab. And she was wondering if she takes these two of her young daughter-in-laws back to Bethlehem, will they be mistreated by them? And so she pleads with Oprah and Ruth to head back home. To their mother's house is what we read. Go back to your mother's house. One of the things I kind of want to highlight in the book of Ruth is uh, the women play such a significant role uh, in this book. It doesn't say go back to your father's house. And usually that's how it's always referred to. But here there's a little bit of an intentionality, again, to highlight the role of women in the part that they have played uh, in telling of God's story here says, go back to your mother's house. And Naomi calls on the Lord, the living God, Yahweh, and blesses these two women. She's thankful for the way they cared for her during her time of grief. After some, after some crying and weeping, Oprah decides to leave, but Ruth makes a remarkable statement. This is what we read in verse 16. But Ruth said, don't urge me to leave. Or return from following you. For where you go, I will go. 
For where you lodge, I will lodge. Where your people shall be, my people, your God, my God. Here Ruth makes an intentional statement and says that she's choosing to be with her mother-in-law. And Naomi looks at Ruth's determination. And the word determination in the Hebrew, uh, according to Dr. Um, Schiffendecker, it's translated as hest, H-E-S-E-D, hest, that Ruth chose to show hest. In the English, we say determined. But the word hest means Ruth was willing to show faithfulness, loving kindness, and a covenant of love. That is what Ruth was willing to show Naomi, her mother-in-law. She was demonstrating hest. The word for the day today is hest, H-E-S-E-D. She was willing to show loving kindness. Ruth was willing to leave her people. Ruth was willing to live as a foreigner in a different country. Ruth was willing to walk into this new living situation with a blemish that she carries on herself, that she is a young widow. She is willing to show Hest loving kindness to Naomi because she is the only one who can care and provide for Naomi as Naomi has no one in her life. Ruth's actions stem from a deep place of love for her mother-in-law. Friends, here is the challenge for us. The challenge for us is, are we willing to demonstrate hest in our life? Are we willing to show loving kindness to our families, to those in our, who are our neighbors? This is very, very difficult. Ruth, who doesn't have any prior knowledge of the living God, is challenging us in how we care for those in our community. How do we care for our parents and our children? I can learn from Ruth. I need to show loving kindness to my family, to my neighbors, to my community. I think that is a challenge for you as well. We need to live out our Hest life. And I hope the Spirit of God will give you the strength to live this out. Finally, the story this day ends with a little bit of irony. You remember what took place in the beginning of the story in Bethlehem? What was happening? There was a, there was a famine, right? There was a famine, and it was during the time of Judges. That meant that people were not following God, and that is the result. There was a famine. And Eli and Naomi left. But this is what we read in verse 19. Hear, hear the irony in this. So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred up because of them. And the woman said, Is this Naomi? And she said, Do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara. For the Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. 
Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has called calamity upon me? I think what Naomi is doing here is completely showing us what human nature is all about. When we look at the past, it's always better. When we look at the past, it is filled with wonderment, right? It was always beautiful. No, Naomi left. Naomi is claiming, I left full, but now I have come back empty. No, she didn't leave Bethlehem full. There was a famine there. There was no food for them. Don't we do this in our own lives, in our own churches, when we think about the past? We say it was so beautiful and so grandeur. But yet, this is a reality for each one of us. Life is filled with challenges. Life is filled with challenges. And when we look back in our past, yes, we faced a lot of challenges. And our present reality is we are facing a lot of challenges. But this is true. But this continues to be true in our lives. The one thing that is constant in the past and in the present, that God is showing up in our lives. That God consistently shows up in our lives. When you think about the story of Naomi, God was there even when she was not willing to see him. God was there when God provided for Eli and the rest of the family to move from Bethlehem, where there was a famine, to Moab, where they can raise their family. God was present when Naomi lost her two sons and her husband, that Ruth was showed hess to her, loving kindness to her. God was present with Naomi when God brought her back from Moab into Bethlehem. And here, Naomi looks back and says, my life was full and now it's empty. One of the things I wonder, and I wish I was there to kind of see this play out as this was happening. You know, Naomi standing there and saying, call me Mara, my life is empty. You know, I'm bitter. Nothing's good has come upon me. I wonder what Ruth was saying. She was standing right there. Right? Right, what was Ruth saying to her? Friends, this is something that we can apply in our own lives. From today's scripture. First is, is God calling you back home? Is God calling you to go back to that place where you can experience God's activity, where you can be in God's presence? Is God calling you to go back home? And are you willing to leave Moab to experience God's presence? Are ye, are each one of us today willing to demonstrate hest to our family and friends, showing that deep love and kindness, showing that covenantal love to those who are dear to us, as Ruth was willing to do to Naomi. Are you willing to see that God has been faithful to you, even when you are not aware of? Let us pray. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your words and the story of Ruth and Naomi. God, help us to come back home so that we can see your presence. God, help us to be 
people who live out the test to show loving kindness to our friends and our family. And God, help us to know that you are always faithful to us. In your name we pray. Amen.